Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast, where we just take portions of God's Word every day, systematically, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and just expose the truth of God's Word. Uh, We don't try to make it up. We don't try to invent something new. We just try to look at what does the Bible say and how does the Bible apply to my life. It's everyday truth. We believe the Bible changes lives. We believe that in the process of sanctification, God uses his word to affect the heart of the children of God so that we can act like behave more like, become more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus. So here we are in Jeremiah chapter 33, and we talked about a very famous verse last episode, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Uh, a Really a, a great promise that God will illuminate us and give us wisdom in trials. Look at verse number four of Jeremiah 33, where the Bible says, for thus saith the Lord. So these verses, verses four and on, help us to understand a little bit more about that promise, that call unto me promise. So for thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which are thrown down by the mounts and by the sword, They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but it is to fill them with the dead bodies of men whom I have slain in mine anger and in my fury. And for all whose wickedness I have hid my face from this city. Behold, I will bring it health and cure. I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. You say, well, what do these verses have to do with call unto me and I will answer thee? and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Well, the point here is that in verses 4 and 5, what the people were actually doing when God was speaking these words to Jeremiah is they were dismantling their own homes made out of rock and stone inside of the city to build up the fortifications of the walls against the Chaldeans who were building their mounts their ramps to come in and invade the city. So Jeremiah, what you're seeing is you're seeing fear and you're seeing this frantic and frenetic activity to defend the city. And you're seeing basically the the end is drawing near and even the, the actions of your people seem to be futile because what will these actually do to defend yourself against the big bad Babylonians, essentially nothing because this is just prolonging the inevitable. So what does any of this have to do with God's promise? Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now the point is in verse number five, verse number six, when God says, 
I will bring it health and cure. No, I know what you're seeing, Jeremiah, is weakness. I know what you're seeing is the end of an era of rebellion and the judgment that comes because of it. But Jeremiah, I'm going to bring health. I'm going to cure it. I will reveal unto them the abundance of peace. You're seeing anything but peace right now. And truth. You're seeing anything but truth right now. See, Jeremiah, that's the answer to prayer. I will show you these great and mighty things, which you don't yet know. You've not yet experienced. You don't even fully understand. Verse number seven, I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. Jeremiah, these are the things that you don't see, that I see. I love that verse in Romans chapter four, where the Bible says, God calleth those things which be not as though they were. And what that means is God can speak definitively about the future. Why? Because God is already in the future. He's our eternal God. A God is not past and he's not future. He's the great I am. He inhabits eternity. Time holds no sway over him. So God can speak as definitively about any time in the past or future as he speaks about today. Why? Because he's in control, not just of of things and not just of space, but of time itself. And so Jeremiah, trust me. Look at verse number eight. I will cleanse them. This is the promise that God makes about the people, the restored people. I will cleanse them. And I love that word cleanse because cleansing from iniquity is much different than covering iniquity. It's one thing to cover a stain. It's one thing to cleanse a stain. It's one thing to sweep things under the rug. It's another thing to vacuum them up, right? So God says, when it comes to iniquity, I'm going to cleanse the iniquity of my people. See that? And that's only possible through the mediatorship of Jesus Christ. Because the Old Testament sacrificial system never cleansed sin. It only covered sin. In essence, it kind of put it on a layaway plan. Okay, it's, it's not paid for, but it's, uh, the, the, the debt has been passed on. And Jesus is the ultimate debt payer. Jesus is the one that paid it all. He brought cleansing, a once-for-all cleansing from iniquity. So the Bible says here, I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me. That's what sin is, by the way. Sin is always against God. I think about what David said in his great prayer of confession in Psalm 51. He said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. Or the prodigal son, when he came home, Luke chapter 15, I've sinned against heaven. And in thy sight, he said to his father. Why? Because we understand that the nature of sin ultimately is that we sin against God because it is God's law that forbade that activity. So I'm going to cleanse them of the iniquity that they've sinned against me. Then verse number eight, the latter part of the verse, and I will pardon all their iniquities. Whereby, so I'm going to cleanse them of the sin that is in their life, and I'm going to pardon them 
I'm going to take away the residue of sin, the guilt of past sin. I'll pardon them for all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. This is the promise of God. This is part of what Jeremiah did not fully understand that he needed to wrap his mind around. Call unto me. I will answer thee, show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. These are some of those great and mighty things that God says, I will heal my people. I will restore my people. I will do more than just cover their sin. I will do more than just declare a truce with them. No, I will cleanse them from the inside out. I will pardon them from all all past transgressions and iniquities. Wow, these are great and mighty things. Look at verse number nine. And it shall be to me a name of joy. What? The country, Jerusalem, the people of God. Uh, They will no longer be a name of shame, a name that brings uh, a bad image or reputation to God. That, That was the present situation. But no, it shall be a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth. Uh, Israel will finally have achieved her real purpose. And the real purpose of Israel was always that God would use her as a shining gem to demonstrate his glory, his power, uh, his love to a world that needed to see it. See, God always wanted his people to be the reflector of his glory. And yet they were doing anything but that. They were they were actually... Uh, They were actually ashamed because of their behavior to the God that owned them and loved them. But that day they shall be a joy to me and an honor to me, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Did you see that? They will fear and tremble for my goodness. What a statement. There will come a day when God's people will be so overcome by how good and gracious and loving and restorative God is, and they will see the power of God to rescue them from the rubble and to deliver them from such a strong enemy that they will actually fear and tremble, fear in the sense of awe and respect and tremble that that loving and good God, that powerful God, was so kind and gentle to them. Well, what a, what a day that will be. We serve a powerful God. What great and mighty things. Look at verse number 10. Thus saith the Lord, again, thou shall be, there, there shall be heard in this place, which ye, shall, which ye say shall be desolate without man and without beast even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem and that are desolate without man and without inhabitant, without beast. So there's coming a day that there's going to be joy in these streets. Now, I know what you're thinking, Jeremiah. I know what, what the people are thinking. Now, th- this is the end of this place. And there's not going to be nobody left. And these buildings are going to be destroyed. And these streets are going to be empty. And by the way, the, all of that was going to be true. The famine, the pestilence, the sword, the Babylonian captivity. But God says, I see beyond this. Verse number 11, the joy, the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, 
the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, his mercy endureth forever. And of them that bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, I will cause to return to the captivity of the land as at the first, saith the Lord. God says, I see the future. I see the day when joy shall fill this city. I see the day when they will bring the sacrifice of praise uh, to this place. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Captivity will have been long since gone. This will be a place of joy. The reputation of my name shall be enhanced by the obedience and commitment of my people. Ultimately, this will be fulfilled in a perfect way during the millennium. But God says that restoration will come. It's going to be a great and mighty thing that you can't completely understand. But Jeremiah, as you ask me for wisdom, as you beg me for my perspective, this is what I'm showing you, that all of this is true and you can bank on it because I have promised it. It's true for you too, my friends, uh, even though you're not one of God's people in the sense that you're one, a, 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 a Jew, although maybe some of you are, uh, but as New Testament believers, uh, we are made unto God a kingdom of priests unto him. And we have entered into the Abrahamic covenant by faith. That doesn't mean that we have a land promise that God has given us, that the land of Israel belongs to us, but the Israel's Messiah belongs to us and the promises of God and the promises of a millennial kingdom and the promises of future bliss and the, a participation that he will be our God and we will be his people, they are, they are all bona fide promises. We have been grafted in through faith. What a blessing uh, that these promises that God made to Jeremiah, to these people in Jerusalem all these many years ago, are promises that you and I can grab a hold of today to know that our God has a great future for us. And it's just as sure as if he made the promise today because God is already in that future and God's promises are always, always good. You can bank on them. So that's it for today. We will end there in verse number... 11. I probably ended a little bit too early, but we'll pick it up in verse number 12 next time. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.